Ready on the roar. Sends it cross field for Jalabert, who's grown into that 10 roll with Intimate out for the World Cup. Perno kicking for himself. Damien Perno. Wonderful. That's just individual brilliance from Damien Pinot. The second try here in Paris. Turnover, Matt Phillip got the ball high. And then the spacing from the Wallabies defensively just didn't have the numbers. Longadita was, they have to come up and Damien Pinot, it sits up. Superb for the Frenchman. Yeah, just brilliant from Damien Pinot, capping off a rampant win for France over the Wallabies in this morning's final Rugby World Cup warm-up match in Paris and wrapping up a weekend of great performances, of shock results and plenty of questions for more than a few front runners as well. Brett McKay with you for the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, powered by ASICS, and I'm joined by my regular Raw Rugby podcast co-host harry jones for the instant reaction to france's 40 to 17 win over australia at the stade de france in paris uh what did you make of that one mate an interesting game it feels to me like 40 to and maybe this is the australian view on this sort of thing 40 to 17 doesn't feel like a reflection of that contest no, I think you're right. It's um, I think there was a lot of self-sabotage because I think that the scoreboard yeah. pressure ended up being self-inflicted. When you keep missing kicks, and at some point it was one try to one, and there were five, you know, four made kicks and, and yeah. four missed kicks, it looks like a bigger scoreboard uh, gap than you have. Then you have, I think you had a period of pressure from 40 minutes to 50 minutes, which was uh, very well conceived. Wallabies were within the red zone for almost all that time, uh, pushing and did not get points. Mm. Then you knew the floodgates would open. Okay, that's almost inevitable. But, you know, I think you could look at that period of time and say, had they gone differently? The, the other part I would say is there were a few aspects, uh, the scrum, notably. Mm. Uh, if I were friends right now and I'm having true serum and I think Galtier is a smart guy, um, I think he's plenty worried about that scrum when he's up against Ireland or the Springboks or New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really good point, the kicking elements, because that was certainly um, an aspect of it. Um, this isn't quite the full instant reaction format that you know and love. Instead, it's just the two of us coming together for a bit of a short, sharp, some immediate thoughts after this game. You know, Rugby World Cup warm-up. We're not quite in full World Cup mode. A bit of a... Bit of a sneaky eight-nine combo, mate, off the base of the scrum to fire into a full two months of Rugby World Cup attack. That's the way I'm seeing it. That's that's fair, isn't it? Stop slapping my bum. I'm keeping the ball in to, to milk the scrum penalty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's 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 get into it. We'll kick off with a headline uh, as we as we normally do, um, and I've got one for you. My headline editor has supplied this one for me, and I like it a lot. And it's simply, Wallabies should kick themselves over missed opportunities. But they'd miss. Not bad. And that's not bad. Sort of speak, that yeah. speaks for the game, doesn't it? Like Carter Gordon missed two out of three penalties, missed at least it's two out of three conversions that missed at least one of the penalty, maybe a couple of penalties. You can't be leaving 10 and 12 points a game on the field in a World Cup. Yep. Mine, uh, big letters, is not so flash. 
the secondary capitalized headline would be um, wrong Kiwi brought to camp. Uh, you look back at 29-30 against France, uh, Dave Rennie, and that was the way to play. I thought there were large portions of the game that suffered from Eddie Jones's selections. Uh, they were wrong-headed, and they showed up mm -hmm. exactly in this match. Will they show up in Georgia? No. Will they show up against other teams? No. But against the big boys, uh, having a naive playmaker, um, just sometimes Kellaway was having to play for two people because... Vunavalu yeah. was in the wrong place a lot. I'm not sure if it was Vunavalu's problem or someone's problem, but he was in the wrong <laughs> location. So let's touch on this because I've made this observation before about the Wallabies' um, defensive setup, and, and I noticed particularly Marika Korombete in Melbourne was defending sometimes two and three players in from the left edge, and New Zealand that night scored two or three tries down down his side. The same thing happened again tonight in, in, in this in this game in Paris. Vunavalu was stationed often at the 13 channel in 30, 35 metres, and Andrew Kellaway is left to try and defend, you know, one on his one man coming up against three at one point. Like, how is he supposed to defend that? Yeah, Kellaway was basically a guy on the boundary cutting off fours and sixes. Um, yeah, and yeah, but, but multiple fighting. balls at a time. Yeah, I, I would love to see his GPS. It had to be a 10K at full speed. Um, the French have the longest kickers in the in the game mm. with Ramos, um, with uh, Dupont and, and Jolibert. So they're just booting. I mean, so does Ficou. They were just booting the ball so yeah. far. So Kellaway could never really stay at home or launch a counter because he, he had too much to cover. Uh, I thought that was horrible. And also, I, th I, I did think that um, there were just moments that calm was needed. I think particularly mm -hmm. right now, when, when Tate McDermott had an offload miracle try when they had the ball down five meters from try line, there were just moments where you looked at a younger team playing a more experienced team. And I don't think the French are that experienced, by the way, compared to the Irish uh, Springboks and the All Blacks, but you could tell the difference of people who had been in big matches before. Uh, yeah. The French were patient. They knew their time would come. They knew their time would come to throw miracle offloads, but I think the Wallabies, from the jump, when they had some moments, uh, they were trying too hard. They were over eager. Yeah, yeah. If you just, you've just, just while you've been talking there, I quickly just looked up the the Wallabies uh, listing going into this into this match, and Tate McDermott has twenty five tests. Jordan Pattaya has twenty seven tests. Andrew Kellaway has twenty three tests, and the rest of them. You're talking 17 tests between the rest of the back line. Carter Gordon had four, Vunavala had two, Fakedi five, Nwanginitawase six. So it's no wonder that that looked like a very green back line because it yeah. just was. Well, that's, yeah. That was the reality of it. Well, let's sort of break up the, the Wallabies' positional blocks, if you like, in terms of stocks rising and falling like we kind of normally do. We'll start with the tight five because I actually thought they were pretty good. The scrum was excellent. Um, certainly, the front starting front row did a did a real number on the French uh, the French scrum. Um, line out was a worry. There was uh, there was a couple of times there back to back. Parecki's throw was was picked off, and mostly because they were throwing to Tom Hooper a lot at the front, so they just got up in front of him in the end, didn't they? 
Yeah, it was hard to know. They were just trying to, to work Hooper into more of a line-out forward, uh, and they went too much, but it was too telegraphed. Um, I think you'd have separate ratings for um, rising or falling on Poreki and Fessler if you were speaking of their throwing mm. versus their actual general play. I thought their general play was quite good, uh, and I thought yes, that Poreki yes. in particular carried well, carried hard. I thought Fessler brought a lot of dynamism. Uh, Angus Bell was my was my best Wallaby for the match because yeah, he was uh, fantastic. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not sure yeah. if it's rising because he's been in form, but he really yeah. did seem to have the upper hand throughout on uh, yeah. Grow, that is the replacement for Bai. Cyril Bai is a big loss for the French, I think. Um, yes. Bell, Bell had him on the bind, Bell had him on the lift, Bell had him on the angle. Um, he, he, he seemed to be able to toy with him. And then it, I thought yeah. he also carried well. What did you think about Taniela Tupo? He looked fitter, no? He did. Definitely looked fitter. Yeah, yeah. And we were <clears throat> we were saying as much in our uh, in our chat group, weren't we? He he looked a lot more mobile around the field. He was he was really good in the scrum, but carried well, defended well. At one point, he made a tackle and then counter rucked in, in one yeah. and did everything perfectly except he just lost his balance and went over yeah. the ball and conceded the penalty. And that little moment was just something he wasn't doing two weeks ago, never mind a month before that. So, yeah, uh, yeah some, it was really some, ref, some refs would have let him get away with that because he mm. did affect the steal before the hand touched. Um, yeah. But we can also say the front row didn't miss any kicks. So it was definitely not their problem. They, they <laughs> did win enough ball. I mean, yeah. I had stats at, at, at halftime. It was 64% territory for the Wallabies and 55% possession. Yeah. So you could say the front... The front row definitely did its job. Definitely did the job, yeah. It felt like that would have carried on through the rest of the game as well. Back row-wise, um, Hooper was good. McWright was brilliant. He was so good. And, Val and Valentini carried probably the strongest he's carried in a few weeks, I think. That's the right way to, to use Rob Valentini. So uh, yeah. kudos, kudos to coaching. I thought also Skelton had some tough uh, carries. I saw Skelton at the end of the match, Captain Skelton, say... We can play through these guys. We should have played through these guys more because I do think Valentini yeah. got through most contacts. Um, I thought Hooper had his best match in a very short career. Um, yeah. I, as you know, I've analyzed his career quite thoroughly. Yeah. But, but uh, he he got a steal and he slowed the ball down three times, I saw, like specifically. Mm -hmm. And so that's yeah. good. You also got up and line out. Um, uh, what do you, so I think you said on our chat group that McRight, that was the try of the year so far. It was a brilliant try, honestly. It was it was a, honestly a, an absolutely brilliant try, and just the way it, it came about, the the kick, Mark Nitawazi, uh contested, gathered it perfectly. Quick ball from McDermott, found right, and he's under the post, and he was under the post. I think before France even realised that they'd conceded a line break, like it was just <laughs> that quick. Yeah. It was it was really really good, and it was it was a fantastic try, and really good to see. Conversely, the Wallaby halves and midfield, um, I don't know. I, we keep talking about kicking, and, and, I, and I don't think it's just the kicking. I, I, they I get, just feel disconnected to me. And the halves and the midfield have felt disconnected for a, for a, most of this year, if I'm honest. Yeah, and it's actually strange because um, my article for the week that's about to come out, one of them is going to be about power rankings of packs and backs, and I'm going to mm. be – I look like a stupid guy because I said that the Wallaby pack is the problem and the packs <laughs> <laughs> Today was the opposite. Um, yeah. You know, but what you do when you say Tate, Carter, Fakedi, Pattaya, that is 
that is a very mis that's a strange foursome right yeah. there uh and yeah. i could see that that wasn't working but they i do think they wouldn't have played together yeah and it was like not clear if they were playing off nine or ten mm. uh to me the midfield was maybe anonymous compared to fiku and yeah. dante who were imperious so Struck, i have to say yeah. that that's where the match seemed to have been lost was in yeah in those four players yeah it feels like when france made big inroads and made line breaks it was through that center channel wasn't it so yeah, I can, yeah. can we talk about can we talk about carter gordon's setup okay so the guy strikes the ball beautifully so that's not the issue he's a little bit he's like goal money. kicking yeah he's a bit like money libok and that he always strikes the ball well it's a pure strike yeah. but i literally think it's you know the dreaded straight ball in golf where you set up for a draw that never comes that's and he's absolutely not spot on He's not sitting up for a, a, a snap hook. He's he's sitting up for yeah. a gentle draw, and it's really Correct. not coming. Yeah, he's set. He's setting up on the right hand upright, hoping to shape it in, and it doesn't move. That's fixable, right? Because Ramos sets yeah. up as square as anybody. He sets up like Johnny Sexton, where he's mm. literally going to take a little bit off the kick. He knows he's going to make it. Yeah. Um, it looks like to me that um, that is something that could be fixed. And yeah. because of the selection, I guess you have to fix it. I mean, who? Yeah. Well, who yeah. yeah. Again, you have you have to fix that. You you look at you look at Ramos tonight. You look at Gemini when he come on later. And oh. I mean, Ra Ramos hit a post, and they did miss, <laughs> miss, miss the miss the kick late. But yeah. he just never, apart from the two times he did miss, he never looked like missing, which is a funny thing to say. But yeah, well, that's, no, that's I know what, I know, what you, I know what you mean. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, so I think that that's the problem for Carter. And yeah, look, it, I'm not bashing the guy. It's so it's so early in his career. You wouldn't yeah. be expected to make these kinds of kicks. It's, uh, it's when definitely you're only fixed. two or three yeah, years, but, but, but it has to be fixed, right? And then yeah. on Tate McDermott, I just thought a couple of things. The, the one thing was he was too hair on fire on some of his some of his breaks and his snipes. Some snipes. Are not really going to work at this level most of the time. It's not like we're you know playing a Reds derby. And then the other the dumb block uh, where Kellaway got yes. hit in the air that was just unbelievably stupid. I'm sorry, but it was, you cannot do that it, in the World it, Cup. It was it was it was stupid and it was almost dangerous because Kellaway ended up because of McDermott's blocking line, and I can't think which French player it was that he sort of knocked off target, but the the effect of that was that Kellaway sort of came down, got, yeah, won the ball, yeah. made contact with the French player, and then came down on his back. And, yeah, nasty, nasty. Oh, of the back three, um, I've got to say, the back three all played very, very well. Kellaway and Noyan Suazi's combination is very, very good. As a 14-15, they are very good. But full credit to Suliazi Vunavalu, that was by some margin his best ever test match for Australia. He was very, very good. I thought so too. And he showed more spatial awareness. There's still some times on yeah. defense that I think he gets lost. But you can see that he is a weapon uh, in the air. He's definitely more comfortable than the French yeah. were. I thought that the Villiers, you know, he's a, he's a stud, but he's so short compared to. Uh, who the Irish commentator actually mm. that I was watching called Vulu Vulu. That's what he called Vunavalu. Um, <laughs> and never got it right the whole match. But um, he just, yeah, Vunavalu looked very, very comfortable in the air. He yeah, was, like, was good the in the air. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was good in the air. Um, and they kicked to him, which was, which was good to see as well. It, I mean, he was named on the left wing. He wore number 11, but he was, 
never spent any time on the left wing, so I, I don't know why we bother with these kind of shenanigans because anyway, but that also speaks to Nwangani Tawazi's uh, versatility that he could switch to the left wing like he did tonight and play just as well. So he yeah. was he was still playing as the hybrid 14 fullback, but he was doing it from the left, which is which which takes some doing when you think about it. Yeah. So what we're really saying is the front row, the Lucy's uh, and the, the back, back three actually had a rise, but it didn't yeah. reflect on the scoreboard. And, and that's because the, the rugby is a funny game on scoring where mm. you, you're basically evens. Uh, it should be 16-13, but you're not. Yeah. Then you control the first 10 minutes, but you don't score. You have a yellow card that sort of infringe, you know, impinges on your progress. And you look yeah. up and it's suddenly 40. And it didn't yeah, that's feel it. like a 40 Match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Here's uh, here's Tate, Tate McDermott speaking to Justin Harrison on the Stan Sport coverage uh, in Australia. Well, Tate, mate, tough game today. Right in the fight. Looked like some missed opportunities. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I mean, uh, there was a couple of penalties that just relieved pressure, and against a team like France, uh, with their park and the skill of their backs, we just gifted them field position. Um, and to their credit, they they, uh, they capitalised on those those errors. We heard Eddie Jones talk about the next game is the most important game, one game at a time. Georgia now, what do you do with this group to turn it around? Well, I mean, it's it's a classic one. We, we've said it quite a bit, but the solutions have got to come from the group. Eddie's doing his best for us. Um, but we're just letting ourselves down out there. There's, there's times where we're walking. You can't afford to walk, particularly in the big games coming up. So like you said, we've got two weeks to find a solution for Georgia. Um, because they're a bloody good side. So we've we got to make sure we front there, and it's going to start Tuesday when we hit the training paddock. How about Sully? One of the best games we've seen him in a Wallaby jersey. Yeah, mate, really happy for Sully. He's, he's come a long way. Uh, he's had a tough, tough old journey, particularly in the gold jersey, but that, he was outstanding there today. So we're not, we need more people like him turning up, um, wanting to put on the jersey and, and perform for the country. Well, head up, mate. We're right with you. So, mate, all uh, Australian eyes will be on Georgia there, as, as Tate McDermott has has said. Um, they'll play them in a fortnight. A quick comment, what did you make of France all up? They obviously play New Zealand in a fortnight now in the in the opener. I, so I think it's, you know, it's a disco. You're playing. It's all exciting. Um, they, you, sing the, the, you sing the anthem about, you know, beheading and drinking other people's blood. It feels great, right? I think Galtier and Serva are very smart operators and they know that set piece uh, is a problem. Mm. Uh, way too easy for Angus Bell to milk penalties. So you just project forward and say, against Frank Malherba and Stephen Kitsoff, what does that look like? It looks like you get knocked out in the quarterfinals. Um, I also think the one thing is, I don't think they would look at the first half and say that was a properly played uh, 40 minutes for them. Uh, and they would probably look at the, the final 20 and go, uh, I'm not sure that's going to really be on offer against Ireland. Ireland plays a full 80, uh, very experienced operators. I would think this is the best thing to happen for the French. They, uh, I mean, the worst thing to happen to the French because they're going to maybe get to drink their own Kool-Aid or get, get too excited about drinking their wine. But the coaches will be telling them, no, this is not likely to be replicated in a quarterfinal or against the New Zealand All Blacks. All Blacks definitely have a wake-up call, so they're going to go back to the grindstone. You know they're going to be mm. ready for a big match. Uh, Ireland had a scare against Samoa. I just think maybe for the French, uh, this this almost will seem like too much good news um, when you're playing against yeah. a very, very young Wallaby side. Fool's gold. Like 
they didn't know how to the big moments they didn't know how to convert those and i and i think skelton had it right when he said we were running through them why didn't we just keep doing that why did we yeah, do these yeah. kicks all the time and it's it's questions that the wallabies have asked of themselves a few times in the last particularly the two bledisloe tests as well they they thought they probably should have played direct and up the middle a bit more than they did so it's it's an interesting one it, it um as i mentioned at the top a hell of a weekend of last warm-up hit outs across europe it, uh, it of course started on um friday uh, in in london saturday morning australian time with south africa just unbelievable in beating uh, beating new zealand 35 7 as they did uh followed into saturday underdogs, with Fiji. underdogs still underdogs, very much underdogs no no i tell you who who's going to be having trouble holding on to underdogs tag now in pool c is going to be fiji who were excellent in beating england 30 points to 20 scotland gave georgia a bit of a touch-up 33 6 italy did something similar to japan they won that 42 21 japan now since the Sun Wolves left, well, booted out of Super Rugby, Japan have only won four tests in the last four years. So that's an interesting little And, and, look, and, look, little and put that next to the Fijian Drua uh, ride. Exactly, exactly. Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Australia A beat Portugal 30 points to 17 uh, on, on Saturday as well. Argentina had a big win over Spain, 62 points to 3. Ireland were tested all the way by Samoa before they eventually won 17-13. Similarly, Chile pushed an Argentinian 15 all the way. Uh, The the, the Pumas set up there, won 28-26. And, of course, France have beaten the Wallabies 41-17. Mate, on our way out, um, a quick tip. What are you writing about this week, or are you now ordering a rewrite from your room of <laughs> I'm writing about Georgia because we need to know yeah. all we can about Georgia. Georgia is a fantastic country. Um, they invented wine. They invented the toast before the wine. The, you know, we all glaze a glass. That was Georgian. Salute. Um, yeah. and, and also they have a game, a proto-rugby game that doesn't exist anywhere else where hundreds of people gather in a small village. They take a 16-kilogram leather ball filled with dirt and wine, and they have to mush it, maul it, and just drive it into a sewer over a cistern with jagged edges all around. People die in it, and then they end up celebrating Yikes. on the grave of the pe- people who died in you know times past. So let's just say that's why the Georgians are good at scrums and malls. So, <laughs> but so, then, so what you so what you're saying is that they're going to play a physical game. <laughs> yes, a very sweaty, hairy man yeah. game. It'll be a good, good, man good, game. good. Oh, I look forward to that. I'm going to work in a a theme coming from the US political sitcom Veep mm. into my column on Tuesday, and I will leave it at that. Oh, ah, just tease that I see the tie in because uh, the Seinfeld episode was it the Seinfeld actresses on there? Yes, that right? <laughs> yes, that's true. Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, yes, continuity with change. I'll just mention mm. that. But mate, I think that is. Us done for another instant reaction after France's 41-17 win over the Wallabies this morning in Paris. The final Rugby World Cup warm-up match before the tournament starts in less than a fortnight. Thanks, mate. It's been uh, an interesting chat. Oh, I'm, I'm really into the World Cup now. This is just wet yeah. my appetite. It feels and, like uh, we're in. We get, a, we get a weekend off and then it feels like we're into it, doesn't it? Yeah. But we will have 
All the fallout today, tomorrow, and throughout the week on theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite Rugby World Cup analysis and opinions and conversations. And do keep an eye on the Raw as well with the unveiling of the Raw's greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15 now in progress. Thanks so much for your company. Harry and I will be back on Wednesday morning, Australian time, for another great episode of the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by Athletics, where we'll speak to the new rising star of Stan Sports Wallabies coverage and for which we're eternally grateful to his people for squeezing us in. 